in our marriage, Bryn and I, those of you that know Bryn, uh, the last you know, few years have brought pretty great tragedy to our lives. Um, we've been married for seven years now, coming up on seven years. Where does the time go? And, uh, you know, for the first few years, things were pretty free and easy, and, and it seems like the last few years have just been difficult. There's been difficult things. We've cried together more than we would like to cry together. And last week I, I talked about hope. We're examining Emmanuel, God with us, as written in the book of Isaiah. And uh, it struck me this week that that as we talk about these ideas and these things uh, about why it's important that God came to be with us, when we talk about biblical things sometimes, uh, it's easy, and I, when I say we, I mean me uh, specifically because I get on the stage and talk about it to you. Uh, it's easy for it just to be this this theoretical thing that exists in a vacuum and, and, and sometimes, hopefully not too often, but leaves people just walking away going, well, that sounds great, but you don't know what I've been through. And I, and I think in some ways, maybe last week's sermon, while I thought it was great, uh, in some ways it, it may have, have done that. We're like, you know, Jesus is all these things to us, and it gives me hope, but these very real things are still existing in my life. And, and it isn't for no reason that I feel hopelessness about, you know, whatever area of my life. And uh, it is clear to me, I want to just make that uh, this clear, that it's clear to me that hopelessness, I understand, does come from hurt. And our sadness does come from suffering. And our despair does come from destruction in our lives. Areas that have been utterly destroyed sometimes. And we look, if it's, you know, like we just prayed, a relationship or our finances or, or our health. And there's areas that are just destroyed. And, and that's where the despair comes from. And so I just want to begin by saying first that that. This, this, these concepts that we're studying, God with us is, is written down in the book of Isaiah and why it matters that God would come and be on earth in, uh, in the person of Jesus, why, why it matters. I, it's not that uh, some theoretical view. I hope that we can see that these things kind of intimately interact with our lives. And, and here's the great news. What we're going to look at today is a passage of scripture written to people who feel hopeless, uh, not in some just kind of, you know, in the sky dream kind of, well, maybe I feel hopeless way, but they really feel hopeless because they have been hurt so bad. And their despair comes out of their real life destruction. And we're going to see what I think is, is one of the great passages for us finding joy and hope and comfort uh, and greater purpose despite our suffering. And, and the cool part is when we see this, when we see people who are hurting, who are broken, who are suffering, uh, and yet they, they have hope, they have light, as it was described in our passage last week, it's really quite a, a beautiful thing. Uh, I was at a funeral yesterday for a guy named Ian, and Ian was 35 years old, just a couple years older than me, and Ian had been in a wheelchair his whole life. I got to know Ian through Starbucks. He had a big personality, uh, cruised around in a wheelchair and didn't seem to let anything stop him in his whole life. And uh, Ian uh, had spina bifida and, and 
more than that, a lot more than that. His body failed him from the time he was he was born, really. He was the March of Dimes baby, like nationally. Uh, he told me that at one point uh, uh, when we were getting to know each other. Uh, and, and he finally succumbed to terrible health, 35 years of terrible health in November, and, and we went to the memorial service yesterday. And what everybody talked about, and I raised my hand and talked about it even, I only knew Ian um, just a little bit uh, from being at Starbucks, enough to be at his memorial service, but uh, everybody talked about it. Despite everything that he suffered, and really his whole life was suffering. I mean, his entire life he suffered. It it was a struggle, and then near the end, the last couple of years, uh, it just became more of a struggle. And in all of it, he always seemed to have a joy and a hope and an excitement to him. And I don't mean in some theoretical way where he was like, oh, great, like life is, you know, life, uh, it'll be great when I get to heaven someday. Ian was a Christian guy. He wasn't like that. It was like he just bubbled. And and now that he, when he stopped coming to Starbucks because his health got worse, it was like that Starbucks is now just, you know, kind of full of uh, of grumpy old guys. And and it's like Ian would come in there in his wheelchair and had every right to be grumpy, but but Ian would, would like to place up. And when you see it, it's quite beautiful. It's not just some guy sitting around going, yeah, my body will be okay when I get to heaven. You know, some of the things that were said at the funeral yesterday, even these things that that are meant to bring us hope, well, Ian is no longer in a wheelchair, and we go, yeah, that's great, but we're still here crying, you know, and I believe that, but we're still here crying, and those things bring hope. But for Ian, it was like something in him brought like a real joy, where even when he wasn't talking about how we'll walk in heaven, he, he had an excitement about life. And I think what we see in this passage of Scripture today shows us how we can be like Ian, how we too can have this joy, this positive attitude, uh, this hope, despite what we struggle with, despite what is going on in our lives. And, um, and before we look at it, I just I want to say that I understand that, that there are things in your life that are, and this is an analogy that we're going to see here in a second in, in our passage, that are like this dead stump that's at the house that we own in Kaiser. Uh, and this stump has been there forever, and my dad, every time he goes to the house, chisels a little bit away, and I tried for one day and gave up, and it's full of ants, and I'm pretty sure it brings all the spiders, and uh, and I've tried to get it down, but it, you know, it gets rained on, you can chisel a little more away, and I'm too cheap to pay for it to be done because I don't live there. Uh, and, uh, and, and here's this stump, and, and this is, we talk about hope, and it's like Jesus came, and hope, and that's good, and that's like over here, and somewhere on this side of your life, you're like, this area of my life looks like this dead stump. It's, it, it's gross, it's not fun to talk about, I don't like to look at it, I don't like to think about it, I don't want to talk about it with you. Uh, Jesus is over there, and yeah, that's hope for someday when I get there, but here in kind of this part of my life, there's this stump, this dead, rotting stump that's full of bugs, and it's dirty, and it's disgusting, and this, this is a thing I don't like to talk about. It might be your relationships, or your finances, or it might be a sin, or it, it might be your, your physical health or whatever, but it, it's here and it's this gross, ugly stump. And, and when we talked last week, you're like, but, but over here, over here, on this side, sure, I believe Jesus came, if you're a Christian, and you're like, I believe Jesus came, and I believe that presents some level of hope, and that's great for church, and you know, for my funeral someday, and that's great for, for when I'm having a connect group or a Bible study, but, but this is my stump. 
This is, this is just here and it will always be a stump. And that's pretty much the world that, that Isaiah is writing about when, when he writes uh, Isaiah 11 chapter, or verses 1 through 11. Isaiah had predict, predicted that the kingdom of Judah would fall. And we know that, that it would be destroyed. It would be destroyed. Jerusalem-like is, is wiped out at the hands of the Babylonians in 586 B.C. I mean, completely ransacked. And if you want to follow the history of that and that interests you, and uh, we did a sermon series, like two sermon series ago, called Optimistic, that was all about finding hope despite your struggles in this world. And we like went down the line of Israel's history and how the Assyrians and the Neo-Assyrians and the Babylonians all wiped them out. And you can go back and listen to that on our website. But for today, just what we need to know is that Isaiah predicts that Judah will be wiped out, Jerusalem will be ransacked, things will go bad because they've turned their backs on God. And that's exactly what happens, what takes place. And this is when Isaiah comes in talking about, well, you're going to be destroyed, it's going to be bad, you're going to be in despair. And here's what he says in Isaiah 11.1. 1. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Isaiah says to this group of people, out of the stump of of hopelessness, out of the stump of sadness, out of the stump of of destruction, out of the stump of uh, out of the stump of your suffering, out of that a, a shoot will bring will will spring forth and, and it will become a branch that will eventually produce fruit and and we can just add some words into Isaiah's mind probably fruit of of goodness and joy and prosperity and happiness and and once again God will make out of this dead stump something that is beautiful and pretty and tree-like it will be good Uh, what Isaiah says is that that there's a root that, that is inside of that stump that will eventually spring forth if I accidentally turn this and you can see the tag, it is from Goodwill. I just know it will be a distraction. I tried to get it off, but I don't have fingernails. Um, and so just know, yes, it is from Goodwill. We can move on. Uh, but what Isaiah is saying is that you have, they have this stump, this gross, dirty stump. And we can look at, at Jesus over there and say, well, Jesus, you're over there and it's happy and it's joyful and yeah, I like singing my songs at church. But Isaiah says, you have this stump. You are this stump. Life is like a stump. It's dead and it's gross. And out of it for the people in Judah will spring forth a shoot because inside of that stump there is a root. And for Isaiah, that root is the hope and that hope is a hymn and the hymn is Jesus. You see, Judah is the lineage of David. And we see in Revelation 22, 16, where it says, I, I, Jesus, talking about Jesus, have sent my angel to give you the testimony for the churches. I am, notice, the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. You see, for the entire Old Testament, there's a promise of one who will come. And as the Old Testament moves forward, we learn that the promised one, this Messiah, would come and, and he would set things right for the Jewish people. And, and we learn in 
as the Bible moves on, especially from the book of Isaiah, that, that this Messiah is going to come out of the line of a king named David who was the greatest king Israel ever knew. And, and they just were like an incredible, incredible kingdom during the time of David. And we know that, that it's going to come out of David. And so Isaiah here, one of the people teaching about it, we can look back, but Isaiah is teaching us about it. And he's going, hey, look, a root is going to spring forth into a shoot that will produce branches that will eventually produce fruit and Jesus after he rises again and goes into heaven looks back down and says hey here's the deal I'm the root I'm the root and so right from the beginning of this Isaiah looks at this group of people this kingdom of Judah and says hey here's the deal guys right now it's a stump but I want you to know that there's still a root inside of you and because you have a root that is good it's going to spring forth into new life and new hope and new joy and new prosperity and things will once again look good for you. And this happens because God's spirit is on Jesus because Jesus was Emmanuel with us and, and God with us, Emmanuel. Matthew three sixteen and 17 describes like the, the spirit descending upon Jesus. It says baptism and it says as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and, a, uh, and, a, and landing on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. You see, here's the deal. Just right from the beginning, Jesus brings hope and life and joy and peace into the midst of our stumps. Because when Jesus came, God came onto earth and now God can come into your life. Pretty big deal. Now, let's continue to move on. We're going to come back to this, but I just want you to have it in, in your minds that, that wherever you see death in your life, wherever you see destruction and sadness and hopelessness, wherever you see that, it's not Jesus someday, Jesus someday. It, it's that right now you have a root inside of you that, that can at any moment spring forth and bring new life to that area. But, but let's continue in the passage and we'll come back to it. Verses two and three says, that the spirit that was upon Jesus is the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, uh, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in fear of the Lord. Just put aside, kind of when we read the Bible, sometimes we read it in weird ways and we don't actually just see the plain meaning of it. But notice the plain meaning. The Spirit is on Jesus and that makes Jesus wise, smart, helpful, mighty. And he's fearful of the Lord, which means that Jesus tells us, shows us, and helps us live the way that God wants us to live. To live a life that is in line with the life that God would have for us. Now you look at your stump over here. I wish I had a real stump, but that's hard to bring to church. Uh, you, you think about your stump and that area of your life that's dead and destroyed and hurting and broken and, and suffering. And, and, and it's like, well, Jesus can help someday. But what Isaiah says is that, hey, this guy's gonna come to earth and the spirit of God will be upon him because he will be God with us. He will be God with us. And because of that, 
we now have the words that help us turn this stump into something that is beautiful and, and has branches and is producing fruit. Because of that, we, we can see how we ought to live in order to turn this, this ugly stump into something beautiful once again. And because of that, not only do we have the way and, and, and kind of the direction, but we also have the power because Jesus decided to come to earth and be with us. He's helping us and he's providing for us and he's working so that this area of your life doesn't need to be hopeless. It, it can be fixed and you can have joy in the midst of this dead, rotten stump, whatever that stump is for you. Isaiah continues. In verses three through five, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips. He will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. I wrote this down. Jesus is, Jesus' right is right, and it isn't the right of the world. What Jesus thinks is right is right, and what Jesus thinks about you is right, and it might not be what even you think about you. It might not be what others think about you. It might not be what society has said about you. When Jesus declares something to be right, it is right, and here's the good news. Jesus judges by, this is what Isaiah is telling us, Emmanuel judges by what is inside of us and not on, based on what is outside of us, what people can see and observe. You see, we, and this happened even more before Jesus came to earth, Jesus helped abolish this type of thinking and you think that this is right because Jesus actually came to the earth because God was with us and is with us. We judge based on looks and we judge based on money and we judge based on people's intelligence and we judge based on people's power and we judge based on people's fame or people's family and we judge based on the girlfriend that a guy has and we judge based on people's athleticism or the degrees that they've been able to earn and we judge based on our possessions or how nice we are to others. But Jesus, according to Isaiah, judges based on, uh, on what's inside of us. You see, and here's the thing about all these things that we so often judge based upon. They'll all eventually turn to stumps. I mean, eventually your looks will not be what they are today. You're only going to get worse looking unless you're a baby. Uh, I mean, it, you, your intelligence will fade uh, your, your, your power in this world, whoever's giving you that power, they'll eventually look to somebody else. Your degrees won't matter when you retire. Your possessions will start to get old and you'll need new ones. I, I mean, everything that we judge upon on this earth, kind of human beings and what we think of when we look at people, we go, well, that makes them good or better or best or that makes them cool or awesome. Everything that we kind of judge upon will eventually turn into a stump. 
And I think that's one of the reasons that the stumps are so prevalent in our minds, that we can't escape the stumps. And sometimes it's like in A Christmas Carol where that guy comes back from the dead and he's dragging around all the chains. Sometimes our stumps are that to us because they're such a big part of how we judge ourselves and others judge us. We like tie the stumps to ourselves and everywhere we go, everything we do, no matter how good it is, we're always just kind of carrying the stump around, dragging it behind us, going, well, everything else seems pretty good, but man, I don't look like I should or everything else seems like it should but I don't have quite as much money or everything else looks like it should but I didn't get a degree and everything else looks like it should but my my wife isn't as cool as their wife or uh, everything looks like it should except for except for except for these stumps and those are the stumps that we're drawn to because that's how the world usually is judging us and how we're judging ourselves but Isaiah says someone will come God will come, Jesus will come, and he will judge based on what is inside of you, not what is on the outside of you. And that's pretty important for us. You see, but we see these two choices that Jesus gives when it comes to our stumps. Jesus will either strike your stump all the way to the ground complete the project that my dad has been working on for five years now. He, he will either take your stump all the way down and you will ultimately be destroyed. Or, or, he will bring new life into the midst of your stump. You see, that's what Isaiah is describing for us. In just one chapter before, he describes the Assyrians who are not God-fearing, who don't love God, who are anti-God, who reject God. He describes them as a stump too. And you know what he says about those stumps? Their stump, them as a stump? He says, I'm gonna wipe them out. I'm gonna burn those stumps to the ground. But in our passage, he says, there's a remnant. There's a small remnant who loves me and fears me. And even though their whole country is a stump, I will bring new life. You, you see, when you look at your stump and you're thinking, well, this is what I'm judged on and this is terrible and this is the dead part of my life. This has been utterly destroyed. You are the really person who has the choice. You can choose to reject Jesus and eventually that stump and everything in your life will be burned to the ground and you will have eternal darkness, eternal hopelessness, or you can choose to accept Jesus, and he will instill every part of your life with new life. See, the gospel story, the gospel story is one of new life. And you may or may not know the big parts that we always talk about in church, but what we talk about is that, that we all are sinners. We all do wrong things. We all create stumps. We all do stupid things. We all do hurtful things. We all uh, do idiotic things. We all do things that God didn't want us to do, and we knew and we know that God didn't want us to do them, but we did them anyway. And because of that, what the Bible declares to us is that we are dead in our transgressions. We are dead. And it tells us that Jesus came from heaven to earth. God came to be with us so that he could die on a cross and in that death, pay for our sins. And then Jesus did this crazy thing. He rose from the dead and in his rising from the dead, he made it so that we who are dead, who are stumps, whose lives are completely and utterly stumps sometimes, can be resurrected too. And what we most often do in church is go, well, someday, 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 you can go to heaven because you have this eternal life. But when you read the Bible, you don't see a story where eternal life starts someday. 
You see a story where eternal life begins the moment that you accept Jesus, where God takes your deadness and your dead stump and he, he provides a root that can spring forth into new life and produce new fruit once again. Read the book of John sometimes. Just go and read the book of John, and you've probably read it before, but read how John uses the term eternal life. He doesn't use eternal life as heaven someday. He uses eternal life as a possession that we have now if we accept Jesus as our Savior. He uses eternal life as a root that is inside of us, making all of our stumps once again turn to something green and beautiful and fruitful and important. You see, your choice is simple. It's a simple choice. You either reject Jesus and and your whole life, which is a stump, will eventually be thrown into the fire. Or you accept Jesus and he can begin, he can begin to turn every part of your life, every stump, every cut down tree that you have existing in you, he he can turn it into new life because he is a root inside of every Christian. That's what Isaiah is saying. But I think it's important that we continue because in verses six through nine, he says, the wolf, a word I don't say very well, so I try to avoid preaching on passages that uh, I get made fun of for how I say it, but I try to avoid it. The W-O-L-F will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together and a and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now, if we've been around church very long, we know that there's pictures out there of Jesus hanging out with a lion and a lamb, and they're kind of sitting there not eating each other. Well, only the lion would eat the lamb anyway, but you know what I mean. They're hanging out. They're not fearful of each other, and we think about that picture, and we think, and rightfully so, that someday when Jesus returns, it's going to wipe out all death and all sorrow and all pain and all suffering and all destruction and all of that. And even the lion won't eat the lamb and, and a kid won't be struck by a, or bitten by a cobra because the world will be harmonious once again, like it was in the Garden of Eden. And that's beautiful and that's great. But, but this morning, I think we need to see that this has application that goes beyond someday right beyond like when I get to heaven everything will be great because I think that while Isaiah speaks in a literal sense he also speaks in a figurative sense to say hey here's the deal God with you is such a powerful force that it can bring peace to every area of your life it can bring peace into areas that seem impossible to ever have peace in again Philippians 4 7 just says this outright This is a famous verse, and here's what it says. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He says that because God, Paul writing in Philippians, he says because God came to be with us and offered you a a root that can turn into a shoot, that can turn into a branch, that can turn into fruit, because God offered that, you can now have peace that goes beyond anything that you can understand. And so you can look at your life and go, well, I've messed up too much. 
In, in a logical way, I have messed up too much. I've done too many stupid things. I have hurt that area too much. I've sinned one too many times. I've broken that relationship too many times. They'll never forgive me. They'll never fix it. It will never be okay. It'll never get better. I will always carry this stump around, at least until I get to heaven. And I think Isaiah and Paul in Philippians looks at us and goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. God has created in you new life. And with this new life comes peace that goes beyond what your eyes can see, what your mind can understand in a logical sense. You can have an internal satisfaction that goes beyond our external circumstances, that goes beyond what you can possibly understand, what makes sense to you right now. And when Isaiah says that the lion and the lamb will lay down together, sure, that will happen someday in some physical, real, tangible sense. But what I think Isaiah is saying now is that you have this stump. And even before God does all these things in eternity, you can have peace that doesn't make sense despite it. You can have peace that doesn't make any sense because for us, we can't imagine a kid sticking his hand into a snake's nest. And we can't imagine a lamb not running from a lion. And we can't imagine that these animals could get along and that kids could be there hanging out with them. And Isaiah is saying, look, you can have peace that goes beyond what you can even possibly imagine despite your circumstances. You can have peace that goes beyond your bad looks or your bad money or your bad intelligence or lack thereof or your lack of power or lack of fame or family or not as cool of a girlfriend or being unathletic or not having a degree or not having possessions or not being seen by the world as a nice guy. And here's how I think it happens. Two parts. First, Isaiah says this peace comes as the knowledge of the Lord increases on earth. I want you to notice that. And I just want to throw this out there. It'll be just a brief thought. But perhaps your hopelessness, your sadness, your despair is connected to your lack of knowledge about God. You ever consider that? I mean, if Isaiah is saying, here's the deal. This peace will come because knowledge of God will spread all over the earth, all over the seas, all over the land. It's going to go everywhere, knowledge of God. Can't you just flip it around in some algebraic formula and go, wait a minute. That means if I increase my knowledge about God and who he is and how he loves me and what he has done for me, if I increase in that knowledge, then perhaps that peace will start to spread within me. But there's something else that I think is more important to this passage, and it's said in the last couple of verses, verses 10 and 11, in that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for, for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. I want to ask this question, what is your banner? What's the banner of your life? Uh, when I was a kid playing All-Stars, uh, it's the only time I've ever really received a banner. I'm not, I don't, we don't have lots of banners floating around in our society today. We get trophies and things like that. But uh, when we would win uh, a district or state tournament uh, in Little League All-Stars, uh, we would give a banner. 
and the banner would hang up at the Little League Fields in Kaiser. I'm in there somewhere. I don't know which picture Bryn picked. I sent her a few, but uh, we would get these banners, and the banners would hang up, and when we'd drive by the Little League Fields, we'd go, that's my banner. I did that. I accomplished that. We did that, uh, and and it has the, the championship. I'm not sure which one it is, but written on there, and you go, well, that's my banner. We, we accomplished something, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing, and even if you're the strongest Christian in this room and you've been the Christian the longest, here's what I think the problem is. I I think we too often make our banners things that will eventually turn into stumps. I think that the thing that you hold high is your identity, is your joy, is your hope, is your excitement, is what makes you a good person, is what makes you cool, is what makes you acceptable to outsiders, the very things that you hold up are the very things that turn into stumps. I think some people in this room probably look at themselves in the mirror and they go, well, I'm pretty good looking. And that's where I'm going to find my confidence and my hope and my peace and my joy. People are looking at me like, that's me or that's not me. I'm not sure what the look is. But, uh, but some people do that. Some people, it's their money. Well, I've been financially stable and done a really good job. And we have a good chunk put aside and we've done really well. And so I'm respected and loved and I have hope because of that. For some, it's your intelligence and you, you take pride. That's what a banner does, right? You take pride in being the smartest guy in the room or the smartest woman in the room and, and you think you're, you're successful and cool and, and people like you because you're smarter than everybody else and, and for some of you it's your power and you really like being the boss at work and, and you, you like being able to manage people and you've worked yourself into that role and for you it's, it, it's a banner and you hold it high and you're like well I'm the boss and I did this and, and for some of you it's your families, I come from a great family or it's your children in this community it's for a lot of people the banner is your children and, it's, and I think children are great but that's the thing man, it's like look what my, my kids are better than your kids there's a lot of that in Wilsonville and Sherwood my kids are better than your kids look at me this is where my confidence will come from and this is where my hope will come from and and for some it's it's been your athleticism and for some it's your degrees and some it's the stuff you have and it's like my car is better than your car and if you said that to me it would always be true but uh, my car is better than your car and look at me and this is what gives me hope and this is what gives me confidence and you know my my marriage is falling apart but I can go sit in my car because look at it I'm awesome now I feel good when I'm here You see, for too many of us, the very thing that is our banner, the banners of our lives are things that will turn into stumps. And so when we look at these stumps, we feel hopeless. Perhaps some of these things were your banners. And you, you took pride in being able to conquer that addiction. And you took pride in your kids and now they have turned their backs on you. Or you took pride in your parents but they uh, now are, have gone a different direction in life. Or you took pride in your athleticism but now your knee's blown out and you're getting older and there's no more hope there. And you took pride in your intelligence but you realize it now that your intelligence doesn't matter because you don't have the job that you thought you would have. And, and, and for a lot of us, a lot of us, not just some people out there, for a lot of us, the reason that we carry around these stumps and we hold them so tightly is because they were our banners and we want them to continue to be our banners. And what a lot of people do, a lot of people do this, they go, well, that's my banner, but now it's a stump. 
And, and so I better find a new banner. I better go make more money because now, you know, I, I'm not as athletic as I used to be, so I better make a lot of money. Or, well, I don't have any money anymore, but I better, uh, you know, assert my power and authority over somebody or something because I need a new banner. And most people spend their whole lives trying to find new banners because their old banners turn to stumps, if I can mix metaphors. And it's like, here's my banner, now it's a stump. Give me a new banner, I'll carry this stump around and think about it and be hopeless because of it and realize that life isn't that great because of it and never experience joy because of it and always feel a little lack of peace because of it. But I'll get a new banner. And what Isaiah says, what Isaiah says is that God has come to earth so that our banners can be a root. Our banners, if we're going to have peace and joy and hope despite our circumstances in the now, not in the future, in the now, our banners must be a root that will spring forth as a shoot, produce branches that produce fruit. If we look at our lives and we must declare emphatically to the whole world if we are going to have the type of joy and the type of peace and the type of hope that we long for, my banner is a root. You look in a mirror and you don't like what you see, you can still declare, my banner's a root. When you look in the bank account and it doesn't have as many dollars as you, as you think you need, you go, my banner is a root. When you feel dumb and stupid because you're surrounded by smarter people and you go, I just wish God would have made me more intelligent, you go, no, no, wait a minute. My banner is a root. When you feel powerless and kicked down and kicked to the curb and just thinking society hasn't done anything for me, I'm low on this totem pole, you declare my banner is a root. When you are ashamed of the things that you have done and you know that you have produced that stump, you declare once again my banner is a root and I will spring forth into new life when you look at your family and you go, they're not as good as the other families. And I don't have the relationship with my parents that I wish I had or that they have. You don't have to think about that. You declare my banner is a root. When you look at your job and you think, I didn't think I would end up here. I didn't think this is where my career would head. It's not what I wanted it to be. You declare my banner is a root. When your possessions go away, when they rust or they fade or they stop being important anymore, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to be hopeless. You can declare my banner is a root if you will place your faith in Jesus. You see, we have this mentality even as strong Christians like, I love Jesus and he'll get me into heaven, but for now, my banner will be my looks or my banner will be my money or my banner will be my power or my banner will be my family or my banner will be my kids. And Isaiah looks at us and goes, here's the banner. The banner is the root and his name is Jesus. And if you go through your entire lives not holding up the banner of, of, of whatever used to be good and is now a stump or the banner of what you, you know, think you ought to make look good in your life, but you hold up the banner of Jesus and you declare, my banner is a root, then it doesn't matter what you go through. It doesn't matter how bad life gets. It doesn't matter what goes away or who goes away. You can always have joy and always have hope and always have peace, not just someday when the lion and the lamb literally lay down together. You can have peace that goes up beyond anybody's understanding now. You see, what Isaiah says to us is, hey, hey, look, you're looking at your stump, but you ought to be looking at your banner. And your banner needs to be Jesus. 
I look at Christians around the world, hear stories, you know, and things like that. And there seems to be African countries in Asia where Christians are, are persecuted, in the Middle East where you can't even declare that you're a Christian or a, especially a missionary. And, and I look at, at Christians throughout our world, not in America, but throughout the rest of the world. And they have this, it seems, incredible hope and, and incredible joy and incredible peace despite the fact that, that they don't seem to have anything that would be a banner in our culture. And I'm convinced after studying this passage that it's because they haven't made cars their banner. They've made Jesus their banner. They haven't made anything that you can see and touch and hold their banner, but they have made their banner a root. Martin Luther King Jr., we celebrate his birthday tomorrow. I've actually, and I didn't even realize Martin Luther King Jr., uh, his birthday was coming up. I wasn't paying attention to it. I know that, but I wasn't paying attention. But uh, a while back, I, we had purchased uh, some of his sermons from the church that he used to pastor when we were in Atlanta. It's been a few years ago, and I'd never listened to him. And I happened to put him in this last week, and uh, I was right on time with that. I was tweeting about him and everything like I knew what I was doing. I had looked at a calendar. Uh, but... Uh, I found this out this week, and I didn't know this from his sermons, but um, his sermons are incredible, and, and, and I found out, just kind of Googling him after that, he, he actually died with, with no money. Uh, isn't that incredible? A, a person as famous as him would die with no money, and uh, he invested almost everything he made from his speaking engagements back into the, the causes that he thought were profound and important. And uh, he preaches this sermon in Memphis that I listened to this week, and uh, he says some brilliant things, but this is one of the things he said. He says about marching uh, for civil rights. He says, and we just went on before the docks, and we would look at them, and we'd go on before the water hoses, and we would look at it, and we'd just go on singing, over my head I see freedom in the air. And then we would be thrown into the paddy wagons, and sometimes we were stacked in there like sardines in a can, and they would throw us in, and the commissioner of public safety would say, take them off, and they did. And we would just go in the paddy wagon singing, we shall overcome. See, Martin Luther, I think, at least during his public time, he made the root, his banner. He didn't say that his personal freedom, his personal security, his body, uh, his health, none of those things were his banner. He didn't make public speaking or making a lot of money his banner. He made a root his banner and it allowed him to do things despite things that changed the world forever. And we, I believe we, if we will be people, who don't hold up the banner of looks or money or even freedom on this earth, if we will hold up the banner of Jesus, if we will declare my banner is a root, then it will no longer matter what we face. We will have the hope and the joy and the love that we so desperately desire. Some of you have come here, I'm sure, sad today. You're down, and I would just ask, what has you down? What makes you sad? What makes you feel hopeless? What is uh, the reason for your despair. And when you identify that, I want you to declare, that's not my banner. My banner is a root. And after you have declared that, I want you to remember that that root isn't like a weed that we cut off and throw away. 
But that banner is a root that can bring new life, a shoot out of the midst of your worst pain and your worst suffering. And what used to be just broken and, and terrible and disgusting like that old stump in my yard, out of it, if Jesus is your banner, if your banner is a root out of it, you can have new life. You can even find goodness in these terrible things that even you have created. But you must declare my banner is a root. Will you pray with me? Lord, I pray that we would all make you our root, or our banner, God. Uh, I thank you that, that for those of us who are Christians, Lord, um, that, that you have come inside of us and you have brought your roots into us. And I believe, God, that those roots, you, the root, want to extend, sometimes like the weeds in our yard, God, want to extend into every part of our lives, Lord. Uh, you want to touch every area, every stump, every broken piece of, of history that we have, every bad relationship, every physical need, Lord. I think you want to interact with it and be a part of it. And I, wanna, I believe, God, that you want to bring new life to even our most dead places, God. And I pray that you would do that. I pray, God, for the people in front of me and, and these guys behind me and the people who will listen online. Uh, I pray that every person would make a decision, a decision, God, to give you their lives. The choice is theirs, Lord. The choice is theirs to a future where the stumps are burned down uh, and, and they spend eternal life with no life and no hope. Or, God, as you know, a choice for eternal life that begins here and now. And I pray, God, for every person that they would choose to give you their lives so that the root you, Jesus, might come inside of them. And then, God, I pray for all of us, Lord, for all of us, after we give our lives to you, that, that, we, would, that we would throw away the other banners, God, that they wouldn't be at all a part of our pride or our hope or our joy or our, our, our peace, but it would always and only be you, Lord. God, I pray that we would just run around declaring my banner's a root. And when people say, well, well, you don't belong here or you don't deserve this or you're not that good looking or why are my friends with you, we would go, ah, my banner's a root. Jesus, and he brings me perfect joy and peace. Jesus, I thank you for coming. I thank you, God, for being with us so that we might have hope, not just for eternity, but for now, because this life can just be terrible. I mean, sometimes, God, all we see is stumps. All we see is death and brokenness and hurt and pain and suffering, and you came so that in the midst of all of it, we may have still eternal life. And I thank you for that, God. It's why we worship you. It's why we love you. It's why, it's why we have anything good. I pray these things in your wonderful name. Amen.